This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, June 2nd, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who's always down for watching more show footage in the spirit of getting better, Jerem Jordan. I love film. Uh, I love breaking it down, even though it's not like a, a film machine. That's an old phrase. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rich Chimini, is that how you say his name? ESPN Nation's Jets beat writer, uh, tweets, OC, Mike LaFleur calls Zach Wilson a film junkie. LaFleur says his brother Matt told him, you better not burn this guy out, Mike. He's the one who wants to watch this film. Indeed, he does. I watched a film last night as well. I went to A Quiet Place 2. Wow. In a packed theater. Okay. With no mask. Yes! It was, it was great. Um, you know, uh, it was awesome. So, it's been a minute, but I'm about to give a spoiler-free 10-second okay. movie review. We used to do this. We're bringing it back. It's been a minute. Start the clock, if we have it. Don't miss the beginning. Same flavor as the first one. It adds to the amazing intro to this world. Emily Blunt crushes it. The suspense is amazing. Go see this. <laughs> Didn't it used to be 12-second movie review, but you've made I think it even so. more concise? You know what? We don't have time. Okay. We just don't have time. I did eight seconds there. But, uh, and, and if you remember, I do on a scale of Jake Keeps to Jim Fredette, what movie is this? It's Yoli Child. Ooh. It's good. High praise. Good. Go see it. Go see it. Okay. I know four of our students were there last night, hanging out as well. It was great to see them. <laughs> Would you qualify it as suspenseful more than scary? Good question. I, I, all of the above? Okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I don't like, like, horror scary films. Yeah, yeah. But I do like, you know, suspense and psychological thriller type deal. I wouldn't call it a psychological thriller. But <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really fun. I ask because I was trying to explain the first one to my nine-year-old Jax, and <laughs> he said, is it a scary movie? And I said... To him, yes. I'm not really sure how to answer that because it's, not a, a horror, it's not a horror film, but it is very suspenseful and jumpy. To a child? One yes. million percent scary. scary. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I shouldn't take my nine-year-old. <laughs> it's up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. do Fair enough. Our show lineup today... Nine-year-old approved. It is very kid-friendly. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> What's the greatest BYU football team since 1984's national title squad? One prominent writer for ESPN says you just witnessed it last season. Former BYU football star and current media personality Hans Olsen will answer that question. And a few more about the approaching 2021 season, plus the greatest BYU performance ever in a loss. And the coach of the national champion BYU women's cross-country team, Dilji Taylor, joins us to preview the outdoor track and field finals. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The Boston Celtics announced Danny Ainge is retiring from his role as president of basketball operations. Brad Stevens has been promoted. Ainge has been with the Celtics front office and so three helped win the uh, 2008 NBA Finals, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Danny Ainge is the only Celtic in the 74-year history to win a championship as both a player and a general manager. Okay. That's pretty good. 
So, uh, an end of an era for the greatest BYU basketball player ever. 15 playoff appearances for the Boston Celtics in 18 seasons with him involved as the general manager. And that is not the standard. That is not the standard. It's to win titles. It really is. They got one. They got one. They were hoping for, I think, more and to be more competitive. And this year, it uh, didn't happen. So, what a run from Danny H. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, I know Jazz fans are like... Hey, will Danny come, Ryan Smith? Please. There's a rumor out yeah, there that yeah. he might find a place with the Jazz. There's reports. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Okay, from basketball. It's going pretty well with the Jazz without him, just saying, right? You think Is there he another? Might, you think will he, he might help? Will he help? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Sure. He yeah. I'm just wondering whose job he'd have to take of someone that got him the list. Okay. Basketball out for the moment. Some professional football in. Diane Lake or Diane Gawolaku, whichever you prefer, resigns a free agent deal with the NFL's Los Angeles Rams. He had originally signed with the Rams after the 2020 NFL draft and was eventually waived during roster cuts. He also spent time on the Patriots practice squad last December, but he's back with the Rams. I'm stoked for him. That's great. College football fame ballots are out for the class of 2022. Nick Iyer is on the ballot. Who was the 1980 consensus All-American on the offensive line. Finalist for the Outland Trophy. The announcement will be made early next year. Elijah Bryant and the Milwaukee Bucks will face the Brooklyn Nets' big three. James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving in the second round of the NBA playoffs. The Bucks fresh off a, uh, fresh off a sweep of the Miami Heat in four games. Elijah Bryant played in three of the four games against the Heat, which was a surprise, honestly, but they were not I close. Think, I didn't think the Bucks would blow them out. They were not close. Uh, scored four points in game three. Game one against the Nets goes down Saturday night, 7.30 Eastern. Eric Mika had a big night for Partizan NIS in the Serbian playoffs. 22 points, 11 rebounds. Played against former Gonzaga Bulldog and... Uh, you know, friendly forearm shiver T.J. Haas in the back of <laughs> Philip Petrushev, who also had 22. It was, it was more of just a tap from T.J. Yeah, come on. BYU men's and women's track and field each fall in the USTF CCCA rankings. The men down two spots to number five, still top five team overall. The women drop four spots to number 11. 24 combined Cougars will represent BYU in the NCAA championships at historic Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon. The team heads out uh, on Monday. Meet starts next Wednesday, June 9th, and will run through Saturday the 12th. You've driven past the stadium. But yeah. Have you been in it? No. I can't remember. No. That's pretty epic, I hear. There was a restraining order. I couldn't get it. <laughs> Yo, you went to Scott. Yeah, it's, it looked amazing. Uh, like an Olympic venue. Like, really. I'm Wild. Like, well, Olympic trials, right? Uh, BYU Women's Hoops guard Maria Albiero announces on IG. She's trying out for the Brazilian national team ahead of the uh, American Cup, June 11th through the 19th in Puerto Rico. Best of luck to Maria. Former BYU outfielder Brennan Lund, the star Batcat, went one for four with a double in the Salt Lake Bees 4-3 loss to the Round Rock Express in AAA baseball. Lund batting 280 in his 20 games this season. Five doubles, five home runs with 14 runs batted in. The Bees will next face the Tacoma Rainiers on Thursday. Let's go Tacoma! Brennan Lund is a fantastic baseball player, but he's the guy behind Mike Trout. Who's playing center for the Angels now? Trout's injured. Oh, that's so true. So Lund didn't even get the call. So who's the guy? Well, who's they have the a backup. If you're the triple-A guy, you're like the third or fourth string. <sighs> it's going to be hard to crack That's going to be rough. Play left or right field, Brennan. <laughs> Is it that simple? I know. All rise and shout. It's time for what's trending.
You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The best BYU football team since 1984. Is it 2020 squad? Bill Connolly of ESPN in his independent team's preview said that, yes, indeed, last year was BYU's best team since the national title run in 1984. Jerem, I think I know which way you're going to go with this. Is it fact or fiction what Bill Connolly said? It's fiction. Uh, that, That team last year was special, and they were really, really good. But it wasn't the best team since 84. Five draft some, picks. Some of that has to do with things out of 2020's control. Um, it's just hard to compare that schedule. It just really is. That, that is. It was amazing and a miracle that BYU could play at all and that it played so well, right? So, no. Uh, I think it's 96. Yep. 14-1, and one, Cotton Bowl champs. That's the best bowl game BYU's ever played in. BYU at the time had the most wins in NCAA history. That wasn't equaled until, I think, 2016 with Ohio State. That was incredible. 96 was unbelievable. Just the one loss at Washington. We'll talk to Hans Olsen coming up about that. That that was a very fun year, right? 14 of the 15 wins. I, I think it's 96. There's been some really good teams since. But only one team had one loss in a sort of regular season where you're playing quality opponents, right? Okay. This 96 team uh, ended up uh, getting two wins over teams that finished in the AP Top 25. That was significant with uh the 2020 team you just had to play who had, you had to play best win was at boise state right if you win, if 2020 wins all the games mm-hmm. including coastal carolina which ended up finishing in the top 15 then i'm probably um gonna gonna make a stronger argument for 2020 but 96 is the answer to me yes 1996 is the correct answer remind me jerem how many ranked teams did byu beat that season like when they finished or at the time? At the time. At the time. Because that's different to me, yeah. There was A&M. There was uh, Kansas State. And Wyoming. And, and perhaps Wyoming as well, who at the time was 10-1. and one. Three ranked wins. Not now, bad. Now, now at the t- yes, okay. At the time is one thing. Sure. Yeah, because like 84's argument of like Pitt, it's like they were 3 7 one But let's, stuck. okay, so let's yeah. look at the postseason. Okay, BYU then beats two ranked teams. Yep. They beat two Wyoming. And Kansas State, and did so back-to-back in the WAC championship game and the Cotton Bowl. So you finished the season with two wins against teams that finished ranked. Yeah, that's the anti-1990. That is solid. 90 should be one of the greatest teams ever. They are not because they finished so poorly. I love the 90 team, but in the greatest teams conversation, you can't bring them up because they finished so terrible. Yeah. They sputtered against Hawaii, 31-point loss, and then Ty Detmer separates both of his shoulders, and they lose 65-14 in the holiday. And it wasn't just a lose. It was, like, blown up. I love uh, the 90 team, but you can't call yourself a great team sure. to finish that way. 0-1, same deal. Another note about the 96 team that many people forget, that loss to Washington, the Huskies were not ranked at the time. They were receiving votes when BYU lost to them in Seattle. That Washington team finished ranked number 16 in the country. So a 29-17 loss to a team that finished in the top 16. That's the one loss. And then uh, the two ranked wins to close out the season. So I I agree with you. 1996 is the way to go. 2020 for me, and this creates a bigger conversation that we need to have another day. Like, where does the 2020 team rank in terms of, like, all-time seasons? I think it's top 10. And the the schedule will certainly held, be held against them. And, it's, again, it's not their fault. 
That's the hard thing is like, shoot, if 2020 had played the original schedule, we wouldn't be talking about them as an all-time team, though, because they would have lost at least three games. Sure. I think. Yeah, and, and yeah, five th- power fives, six power fives. Yeah. This this is Tough. a this is a fun conversation and a perfect one for the summer for June. We start when we start discussing lists and where twenty twenty falls in that category and where Zach Wilson as a quarterback falls now, in the list of now all-time there's the quarterbacks. One. That, now there's the one because he was better than the season was. Woo! Well, yeah, I mean, highest draft pick in the history of BYU football. Okay, our question of the day. We want you to answer what we just answered. What's the best BYU football team since 1984 and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Grizzfather on Twitter answers 1996, and that team might have been better than 1984. I will, I will uh, you know, welcome and... and the conversation about 83 versus 84. We had that. If you missed it, it's on the BYU TV app, 1983, the reviewables. Um, that's a fun one. Uh, 96 is an interesting one. I'm not sure I go there with 96. To me, 96 is the third best team in BYU history. Yes. I, I, I think it goes 84, 83, 96. We're not far off. I'm 83, 84, 96. Yeah. yeah. And, and it is an interesting combo. It's like, what do you value? What do you want out of it? Do you want how they played? Do you want, like, the talent as quantified by what? Like, NFL draft picks? Like, how do you, how do you quantify that? What do you like the most? Like, big wins, but maybe a couple losses? Because 84 didn't beat anybody that was any good. They won all the games. Those teams didn't end up being good. What about third-ranked Pitt? 3-7-1. What about Michigan? 6-6. Six and six. Like, there wasn't a really good team on that schedule that they beat. Comparable but to, they won all the yeah, games. Yeah, that's the thing. Com- yeah. So if 2020's team had won all of the games, then it's kind of a similar scenario. Except they were actual Power 5 opponents. But they didn't it play any Power It was on the road at Pitt. It was neutral with Michigan. Like, it's hard for me to be like, La Tech! And, you know, like 2020, I'm not well, going to discredit right. what they did. Was Boise, it's State, just hard to was Boise State a better team than Michigan that BYU beat in 1984? Michigan was ranked third earlier that year. I'm going to go no on that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, coming up. <laughs> what was Boise State ranked third? What's the most epic BYU performance in a loss in the spirit of Dame? And former BYU star lineman Hans Olsen joins us to discuss the conversation of best BYU football team since 1984. And we project a little bit forward. This is BYU Sports Nation. Who was Pitt? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. New episode of BYU Sports Nation right now drops today. Catch previous episodes on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube via BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, a guy who went one-on-one with one of the bigger, more entertaining personalities in all of broadcast media. Just Bigger, for... a pun, although he's smaller than when he played here. <laughs> Hans Olsen, one of our favorites from 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake, uh, joined the program. Former BYU defensive lineman. A lot to discuss, uh, you know, namely the 19 19- Best team since 84 conversation. Here it is on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Hans, what's up, man? Great to have you on the show. Welcome back. It's nice to finally be back, Jeremy. I don't know what I did wrong the last time, but it seems like four years is way too long in between interviews. It it has not been four years. (laughs) I swear we had you on last year. I don't want to name names, but Ben Bagley. 
Okay, let's <laughs> let's talk about what Bill Connolly said. He said, uh, you know, that last year's team was the best at BYU since the 1984 team. What? Spencer and I agreed. No, 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 no. You like 96, right? I mean, that was an amazing team. You were a freshman on that team. What what do you think? Is that is that true what he said or do you think it's 96 or 09 or one of those years? Last year they were brilliant, man. And and it's really hard to argue against having a, a number 1 uh or a first round draft pick at that quarterback position. And Zach Wilson obviously was incredible, number 2 overall, and that makes it tough uh really tough to argue against. Steve Sarkeesian obviously didn't get drafted that high from that 1996 team, but Steve was an incredible teammate. And you're right. I was a redshirt freshman that year and I was on the travel squad. I dressed, kept helmet ready. Uh, there was an injury. I was going to be entering the game and that 1996 team, man, it was jam packed with some of the best players in BYU history. Um, big time draft picks, long time NFL players. Uh, in my opinion, even though it was a brief stint, the best running back in BYU history, and, and that's not Luke Staley, that's Ronnie, Ronnie Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah, Ronnie's yeah. amazing, dude. I tweeted about him last week, about 2,500 yards and you know 25 touchdowns. Dude, the dude would have had 5,000 yards rushing or something, you know, 4,000 and 50 touchdowns. He was incredible. Uh, and I think he's the best running back to ever be on a BYU football field. It was just about him staying on a BYU football field. He would have he would have broke every record, set every record, and he would have been phenomenal if he would have stuck around. Um, but it was really difficult. That '96 team, Jeremy, in my opinion, with all the draft picks, that offensive line might be the best offensive line in BYU history. Now, last year's offensive line was really good, and I still think that there are four total draft picks off of that offensive line. When all all things are said and done, I think there's going to be four total draft picks off that offensive line. But that 96 offensive line, led by Larry Moore, who played in the NFL for seven, eight years. Hey, you have a Colts John helmet Payton. behind you, Larry Moore. Yeah. Colts. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we were teammates together uh, my rookie year, and, and then they let him go my second year. But uh, he, was, he was fantastic. And um, John Tate, obviously longtime player. It, but th- it was full of characters, guys like James Johnson and Matt Cox and it, uh, the backups, the, the 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 second line that would come in, Jason Anderson was an incredible rotation guy. I don't know, Jeremy. I don't think you can argue against that '96 team. That was an incredible team. Okay, clarify something because there's always this conversation about the Washington game and how there was an argument about socks or something, and that's why they lost. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I'm, oh, oh, I know. Yeah, I, you're talking about the team issued stuff what, at Washington. Yeah, yeah. And, and if guys wanted, was it to wear knee high or or just ankle or? I yeah, I can't remember if there was an equipment issue. Uh, that was just one of those tough games. You know, that's a really tough place to play. I remember being in that stadium. That was the first time I was there, and Jerem, their their whole ambience and game day is is pretty crazy and i just don't think the team really realized their potential at that exact point um but and and it was a close one i remember what was that 29 17 yes that be lost in that one it was a close one but washington was just a little bit better that day i can't take it away from them 
even the 08 team who beat a winless Washington team had to block a PAT, right? Uh, it's, it's tough to play up there. They're coming in on the boats. They're coming in from the city. It's super loud uh, in there. Yeah, I've, I've seen a game up there. It's crazy. Okay, you, you said four offensive linemen will be drafted from the 2020 team. So obviously yeah. Brady Christensen at left tackle, a third rounder. Uh-huh. Who else are you thinking is drafted in the future? I'm assuming James Empey is one of those. James Empey. Uh, Blake Freeland, I think, is a draft pick. Uh, maybe not this year, um, but but very much the, the following year. I think James Empey is one of the most freakishly athletic offensive linemen that BYU has seen since John Tate. Um, he's just incredibly gifted. And then I, I think Barrington could possibly be a draft pick. I, I think he's physical. I think he could be drafted as a as a guard. I think that uh, he, he plays aggressive. He just has to find that consistency and that aggression, making sure that he's hitting he's hitting all his uh, he's hitting all his schemes and and plays an extremely consistent season this year. But I think he's a potential draft pick. That's exciting. And uh, when the offensive line is good, the run game's good. And when the run game's good, BYU's good. It's a, it's a simple formula, right? We're talking to Hans Olsen of 1280 The Zone, Salt Lake City, former BYU defensive lineman as well. He has one of the greatest celebrations after a touchdown in Cougar football history. You can look it up on uh, YouTube. Okay, in the, same, <laughs> in the same article, Bill Connolly also says, quote, under Satake, things have become more volatile for better or worse, end quote. I think he's referring to four and nine one year in 2017, and then 2020 obviously going uh, 11 and one and being ranked 11 at the end of the season. Do you feel like the word volatile characterizes the Satake era? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think uh, upward trajectory would characterize the Kalani Satake era. Now, there's a lot of tough times in front of him in this schedule. As you know, and everybody knows, moving from 2021 on is going to be extremely difficult. You know, that, that COVID schedule that Tom Homo put together, it was miraculous what he did. And BYU fans should be indebted to him because he, he went to great lengths. And, and I know that that university went to great lengths to continue that season, and they should be commended for it. Um, but I think upward trajectory is the way I would term Kalani Sataki's time at BYU. Yeah, there were some bumps, and there are going to continue to be bumps. Uh, I love Ty Detmer. I, I think uh, Ty Detmer is a dear friend of mine, and I think the world of him. But, you know, there were some there were some bumpy starts for Kalani, and he needed to get his feet under him. But, you know, Jerem, I, I would say that BYU fans need to be really excited about Aaron Roderick and really excited about Fessy Sataki. I think that those two uh, offensive minds are as innovative and as forward-thinking as two guys that I've ever really talked to about the game of football. And so I'm really excited to see them continue to grow that offense. And then Kalani understands the defensive side of the ball as good as anybody in the country. And he'll continue to make the right hires and the right moves. You know, uh, Coach Clune is a longtime coordinator, and he's been around the game for a lot of years. And, and I'm excited to sit back and watch what he's, he's able to do with those linebackers. As you know, that's a really good linebacker crew. But I just think that this is – I think he's on an upward trajectory, and I think BYU is extremely lucky to have a man the caliber of Kalani Satake. And they got to do everything they can 
to keep their fingers sunk into that guy. Don't let him go anywhere. Make sure he's happy and make sure he stays right here in Provo, Utah. Yeah, memo to Silicon Slopes, right? To uh, <laughs> make sure he stays. Um, and, and that's a huge blessing for BYU. It really has been, uh, you know, economically what's been going on here and what hopefully will continue. Okay, along those lines, it's interesting because I think BYU fans feel like, listen, we should be consistent and have a, real, a year that really pops every now and then, right? Get, I, think, I think to get 2020, obviously a pandemic affects it in a great way. You needed a 2017. Think about it. If BYU doesn't fire uncomfortably, it's favorite son at quarterback, Ty Emmer. There is no Zach Wilson at BYU. That was the cost to get Zach. So sometimes you have to uh, push the restart button. And that was 2017. And it took three years to build with that group and get A-Rod in here and get Fesitake's influence and, and so on and so forth and Jeff Grimes and company. But 2020, was a, it was beautiful. And now BYU returns a lot of skill position talent. They've added to it with the Nakua brothers. Chase Roberts off a mission from American Fork was a high school All-American. The offensive line is good, as you mentioned. This season, the over-under is kind of like six and a half, seven wins. Blaine Fowler last week came on the show and said, I think we should expect eight and, and think that nine is possible, despite the fact there's seven power fives. What do you think? <laughs> Man, I think it's going to be every week is just going to be a fight for their lives. But Jeremy said it well. They've got more talent than I think people even really know is that's coming back. You know, Isaac Rex is is geared up and ready to take another step. You threw in the Nakua brothers; they're going to be fantastic. You've got Holker, who I believe is back, and he's going to be ready to go at the tight end position. You're going to have targets all over the field, um, and uh, uh, Powell, I think, is is keyed up as well as Romney. Think about all the targets that that, and I, I know that there's a, a bit of a back and forth with the quarterback position, but I believe it's going to be Jaron Hall that will start. Think about all the targets that he's got, and then you know you throw in the fact that you've got Tyler Algier who can really carry the bulk of that offense if you need it behind that offensive line you talked about. <sighs> It's just going to be a weekly fight, man. That schedule is daunting. It's tough. The first four games out of the gates are very tough. I don't want to set an ex- expectation that can't be met, but my expectation is a minimum of seven. I think a great season for BYU would be eight. I think anything above eight. You better take Kalani Satake, put him on a float, parade him through Pro Bowl, and get your boys at the Silicon Slope to come down with a Brinks truck, back it up, and say, please stay, because you do so much more with so much less. That's the one thing I want BYU fans to really understand is what this football program is doing with what they've been given. It is, it's not even in comparison to what the Power Five uh, conferences are giving their teams overall, the infrastructure, um, the support staff behind your head coach. What Satake and that staff is doing with what they have is unfounded, unbelievable. It cannot be matched. And so if, you, if it's anything better than eight, watch out, man. You better lock that guy down for 10 years. Listen, the moment we see a Brinks truck on campus is the moment the second coming starts. 
<laughs> We're all headed to Missouri anyways, huh? Yeah, yeah. We'll all be in the SEC anyways. Okay, with the schedule, <laughs> you talked about how tough it's going to be. Listen, I'm Mr. Hey, this schedule's too hard. What are we doing, guy? Um, there, there are games that are manageable in this, right, which is interesting. And this has a little more balance to it in terms of winnability against certain teams coming into the year. Obviously, we don't know how it's going to shake out. But you look at Arizona, that's a game that BYU has traditionally won. Outside of 08, when BYU kind of mailed it in at the end there. Um, Utah is always a tough game. Arizona State's improved, but that's it feels like those teams are similar. Uh, Baylor, Baylor's down a little bit. Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos, that should be a fun one. Washington State, still figuring it out with Rolovich. Virginia, obviously, with Bronco compelling. That feels like a, a decent matchup there. And then USC's going to be a tough one. So it feels like there are two or three that are a little tougher. But, yes, the volume is the issue I've always had a, uh, a problem with. I think if BYU goes three and four, you go, hey, that was pretty good. BYU goes four and three, over the moon, man. What do you think? I, I, over the moon. You, you've hit it right on the head. And I've, I've heard your arguments over the years, Jeremy, and, and I'm not far behind you, man. I actually agree with a, a lot of the angle that you take on this. Um, and we, we saw where BYU ranked nationally when – they put together that pandemic schedule. I know I, I know that it, it it had to do with everybody having to do what they had to do, and I, I know that the entire um, world of college football was skewed. But I would say the same. I would say that that four wins in that situation would be incredible. I'll tell you what, BYU fans would go one win if it could be Utah. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's the one. That's the one on the schedule that. I know that that staff has to be the most concerned with. That's the one on the schedule that I would be the most, most focused on. And I would take a different approach. Um, I don't know if it was uh, two years ago, I think it was, where it was kind of an all-in mentality with Beat Utah and the players were talking about it and coaches were talking about it. And I'll tell you, it created a stir with the media but it also created a, a lot of interest and it opened up ears up on the uh, up on the hill. They kept their mouths quiet and they came out and delivered the win. What I'd say is keep your mouth quiet, work your butt off, because this Utah roster is jam-packed with talent, just like BYU's roster. And last year would have been your best chance to get them with Zach Wilson and what BYU was putting together and Utah was extremely young. This year won't be that. Utah's brought in a lot of transfer portal talent, and BYU's going to have a fight on their hand. I think that this is going to be one of the most competitive, competitive rivalry games we have seen in a long time. And uh, we'll see if Kalani and staff can get that one taken care of. But uh, don't, wouldn't you agree, Jeremy, that I think BYU fans would say, hey, look, you can have all the others, ASU and Virginia and all the others. But that Utah game, I think, is critical for Kalani and this team this year. Inevitably, we will ask the question on the show because we have five hours a week to fill. Uh, would you go one and six in the Power Five seven if the one was Utah? We will ask that later. We, you know, we don't have to ask that right now. We will do it later. Hans, great insight. We appreciate the time. And, of course, people can check you out on 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake. Thanks, Jerem. Love you guys. You guys do a great job. And uh, BYU fans, get ready for a, a great football season. This is going to be – an epic team. There's a lot of talent. I know you lost a lot, but I know there's a lot of talent on this team, and it's going to be an exciting year. 
It's Hans Olsen on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. I love that guy. He's great. He just you did a little John Gruden there, by yeah. the way. Hans Olsen, man, I love that guy. Beautiful bald man. <laughs> Honey hands, catching <laughs> everything in Las Vegas for John Gruden. <laughs> by the way, at the, the Terminator uh, on, uh, on Twitter, uh, some B-Day BYU Sports Nation, also I need these polos. He's, okay. he's watching. Okay. First off, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Um, second, where'd you get that? BYU store? Where'd you get that? It was given to me. Oh. I'm, ass- <laughs> I'm assuming it's at the BYU store as well. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like a different uh, material uh-huh. that's maybe, I don't know, poly. I don't know shirts very well, polyester or something. But it like, it's like perfect for like a yeah. hot golf day. What percentage polyester yeah. is it, Jim? Is it a cotton wool blend <laughs> coming There's- up? Dilji Taylor on Nationals and the upcoming Girl Dad. Oh, what is the most epic BYU performance in a loss? Okay. This is BYU Sports Nation. A little, little not. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. BYU Sports Nation has its own YouTube channel now. Uh, get all the interviews as well as BYU Sports Nation right now episodes. Yeah, subscribe today, yo. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it on June 2nd. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Would you rather drop 12 hundy on a signed Zach Wilson card or <laughs> spend the money on, uh, you know, flight and ticket to his first game well given how many pictures i have with zach wilson and how many conversations i've had with him i'm gonna let's drop imagine the it's 1200 not, it's not you it's like average fan i would still drop the 1200 dollars and go see his first game experience that incredible atmosphere coming back from the pandemic it's his first game second overall pick yeah I, I, without and, hesitation and for 1200 unfortunately you can get a hot chocolate but not really anything else in New York? Yeah, that'll be it. That'll be $18. Sir. <laughs> the Chicago Bears tweeted out a video of Kyrus Tonga recently catching a touchdown pass when he was playing at Granger High School Go in me. the Salt Lake City area. Jerem, reading between the lines, are the, are the Bears creating a William Refrigerator Perry offensive package for Kyrus Tonga? I'm guessing not. But don't forget, at Brigham, he did score a touchdown and was in on that uh, rugby package quite a bit. He ended up scoring, which is pretty cool. He joked. They, they just kept telling me, don't fumble the ball, Kairos. Don't <laughs> fumble the ball. Yeah, it was against Idaho State, live on BYU TV. <laughs> you know? Dave McCann for the win. Okay, oh. in the spirit of Damian Lillard's 50-10-10 last night, which is incre- just unbelievable, first ever in NBA history, what's the most epic BYU performance in a loss? Dave said, this, this, didn't, this didn't matter, we lost. All right, I've got a few. Uh, the first, Ty Detmer against Penn State in the 1989 Holiday Bowl. 576 passing yards against a Penn State defense that was called vaunted. 576 passing yards. Joe Paterno was like, we, we had no answer for him. We, we couldn't stop that guy. But they figured out enough, and BYU loses the game. The, the precursor to the Highlands. The second I'm going to offer is the BYU defense collectively in a 7-6 loss against Boise State in 2012. The defense didn't give up any points. How does a nose tackle have a pick six? The only points for Boise State were a pick six. BYU I'm defense still gave mad up about no points. Game. They had that epic four-down stand on the goal line, and they lost the game. What about you? 
I first thought of uh, John Walsh, the BYU record 619 passing yards against Utah State in 1993. 58-56 in a, loss. In a loss. <laughs> ben Bagler, our producer, said he stormed the field because he was an Aggie fan. Look at Jamal Willis go. Uh, the other one I thought of uh, was Eldon the Phantom four-time. Rest in peace. Okay. Rushing for 272, a BYU record until Jamal Williams in 2016 against Toledo. With 272 yards. Oh, the they Phantom lost. once said, it didn't matter. We lost. Game Lillard. Same thing. Damian Lillard. The Phantom. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention, John Beck, 517 passing yards, five touchdowns against TCU and a 51-50 we're, overtime loss. We're racking our brains for hoops versions of this. Send them in. Yeah, yeah. we need, we need basketball in. submissions. Send them in. Fax them to 801-422. Coming up, is BYU bringing home some natties next week from Eugene? National Championship winning coach Diljeet Taylor previews the outdoor track and field championships for BYU. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us Friday as we uh, replay great moments as told by players. Volume 2. Friday, noon Eastern, BYU TV, BYU Radio. These are some of the funnest shows to make. We compiled some of these great moments, players talking about them, the insights into these plays. Fantastic. We recorded the show. I remember it well. I watched it back the first time it aired, and when it aired last Friday, I found myself Volume, volume one. 35 minutes into it watching it again. And then, <laughs> and then Brittany was like, Spencer, yes, I asked you exactly. to do Feed, feed the kids this. breakfast or They're do something. hungry. Yeah, yeah. yeah just engaged, right? Yeah. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. probably said it nicely. I want to. Live from there. Studio B. Well, sometimes she has to say it sternly because, uh, you know. We all need that. Hu- husband mode. We all, we all need that. <laughs> Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is one of our favorites. She is a national championship winning coach for BYU women's cross country and hoping for special things that the BYU uh, women's team goes to the NCAA track and field outdoor championships in Eugene, Oregon. Diljeet Taylor. Diljeet, welcome back to the show. What's up? Thank you, guys. So excited to be here. Um, we noticed that uh, something entered the studio right as we began this interview, and uh it is a delicious oh. acai bowl. Okay, you're the best. You've, you've outdone Listen, yourself again. You're the best. How? How? Okay. Hashtag BYU Girl Dad Camp. Yep. Yeah, there's a little promotional aspect to it. You know, we're getting really <laughs> excited for our Girl Dad first ever Girl Dad Camp um, this August and women's distance. We're all about the acai bowl. So hope you guys enjoy those. Listen, if this is the key to success, I need to be consuming this way more <laughs> because it's amazing. Okay. Let's let's talk about the Girl Dad Camp first since you brought it up, and then we'll talk about National. So tell us more about the camp. I know about the camp. I'm going with Venom, my 8-year-old, uh, August 6th through the 8th. Cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. Tell pe- people more about it and how they can sign up. So you can sign up at BYU Sports Camps. We got this idea with along with women's basketball and women's volleyball to have the first-ever Girl Dad Camp, a little spinoff of Father and Sons, which is – been a really successful camp here at BYU, but we wanted something for for those young girls, and it's going to be super empowering and inspiring. Very excited for uh, what we're going to do. We've got some some special surprises that uh, we'll probably be talking about as uh, as time goes on and we get closer. But August sixth to eighth, and a very inspiring and empowering weekend for for these young girls. So if anyone 
has that weekend free, I encourage you guys to sign up. You're going to walk away with um, some really good memories and, and a special opportunity to connect with your daughter. I'm feeling left out now because my daughter, Sailor, is only three years old. So what are, what are the stipulations? Because I want to mark the calendar if it's, you know, a few years down the road. You just, yeah, 8 to 18 and bring your dad. And so you'll be there, Spencer, in five years. <laughs> can't, can't wait. It'll be great. Or adopt a kid that's eight, whatever. Okay, uh, let's talk about regionals, uh, you know, prelims uh, in College Station, Texas. Obviously, hot, humid, lightning delay, hot rain. You guys fought through it. You got 24 total entries into nationals, which is just incredible. What was that experience like? It was a great weekend, a great group effort by all the event areas. I think... You know, one of the things that Ed Eyestone mentioned in our team meeting is athletes adapt. And what you saw this weekend in really, really humid and hot conditions was athletes that that were staying true to their goals and their dreams to get to that next round in Eugene. We are very excited about the big group that we're taking. We've got men and women in a lot of event areas. Our men's team is actually ranked fifth. And we have two relays in on the men's side, a four by one and four by four. So Kyle Grossarth, which incredible performance. We have a couple throwers in. Again, just all event areas are going to be represented and we're really excited to go back to that new Hayward Field. We've we've been there once or twice actually already this year, but we're excited to to experience some Hayward magic and see what we can bring back to Provo. What's the atmosphere like at that incredible venue, which really is like an Olympic stadium in many ways? Yeah, it you know, you don't know what you're going to feel like when you go back to Hayward Field just because of the experiences that we've had in the past with the Hayward Magic. But it's the same feeling in a new stadium. So you almost feel like you're not on U.S. soil. That's the best way to to really talk about it. It almost feels like you're in a European uh, Diamond League meet somewhere overseas. But but you still have some of that old Hayward And I think it's just an incredible, incredible venue. And I'm really, really excited. Our athletes are running well at the right time. So really excited to see what what we can put together there. If it feels like being on European soil in Hayward Field, it definitely feels like being on U.S. soil like a block away because like Animal House was shot in Eugene there. So yeah, it's a fun city. Yeah, having been there a couple of times, it's great. Okay, so in terms of uh, qualifiers who are top five in their event on the ladies, uh, on the women's side, against the competition. Let's talk about it. Steeplechase, Courtney Wayman second. Sierra Tidwell third in the high jump. And then uh, Whitney Orton in the 1500 at fourth. So there are a couple of top five uh, participants here. Who's, who's the most likely to bring home a national championship here? And, and, and perhaps could there be multiple? You guys know I love talking about rankings and all of that stuff. No, I, we've got a couple <laughs> good opportunities to bring back something special. And again, rankings at this meet, everybody has an equal opportunity that's stepping on the line. So we're really excited um, to get out there and, and see what happens. I think you're going to see the BYU uniform across the span of four days, both on prelim and final days. And I think that's really exciting for our program. There's there's a different level of swag that, that our BYU track and field programs have right now, and it's, it's exciting to coach that. Yeah, certainly with the two ranked teams, because we know you love talking about rankings. But you did bring up the fact that uh, the men are ranked number five, the women are ranked number 11. This has been just an unbelievable athletic year 
for the BYU track and field and cross country teams. That said, 24 combined athletes, it is a numbers game when you're trying to compete and do special things. So for those that don't understand track and field, what does 24 combined athletes at the NCAA championships mean? Like, how would we quantify getting 24 to that level? So we had to qualify. There's two region meets. There's an East region and a West region, and they basically take the top 12 in both of those regions and bring them to Eugene. At that time, we then, um, in certain events, you'll take 12 to the final. In certain events, it'll be top eight to the final day of the championship. So again, getting to the NCAA meet was was no e-task. And our athletes really fought their way. And you're going to continue to see that fight. I mean, we didn't have a championship. The last NCAA outdoor track and field championship was 700 and something days ago. So these athletes are competing with a ton of gratitude. And, and you're seeing that. You're seeing that in the last Uh, throw in the last jump in the last 100 meters of their race just the amount of fight that they have it's all just they're so grateful for this opportunity so I think you're going to see some really exciting things happen hopefully we'll send a bunch of kids through to the final day and then um, hoping for some magic indeed we are Uh, we were in a meeting yesterday where we were told that the coaching that you give in meet is extremely inspiring and that obviously your ladies respond Give us a sense of what uh, your approach is when communicating during a meet because there's a lot of things going on for that athlete, but you want your message to be simple and clear, I bet. Yeah, you know, I think if you recorded me during a meet, you might, I don't know, simple and clear would be what you would get. And passionate and maybe slightly crazy. Like I go back and watch some of the film, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but. I'm so excited for them, and and I think really just the emphasis for us and and you know with our program the BYU Run for Her is always just running for that little girl that fell in love with the sport, and I remind them of that prior to their competition. But once the gun goes off, they're running, and I, I'm just like pacing as crazy as possible, leaning over the rail. Um, it's actually kind of embarrassing. I'm just really excited for them. There's a lot of yelling going on. Um, and, and, and I'm pretty confident that they hear me. So as long as I, I love the same, like perfect, perfect, you know, y'all say the same words, you're good, you're good. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot of crazy, a lot of passion. Dilji Taylor, coach for BYU track and field, specializing on the women's side, teamed up with Ed Eyestone, who has done remarkable things. The two of you are certainly a dynamic duo, if there ever were one, uh, as far as coaches go at, at BYU. You've taken the program to a level where this isn't uncommon, these big meets with a ton on the line. How have you learned through these previous experiences where you've competed at championships and help your athletes understand how to handle the nerves? Yeah, we embrace we embrace the pressure and nerves that comes with being nationally ranked, but also just keeping the emphasis on fun. I sent a message out this morning. The theme of next week is fun. We're going to have fun. And I think as long as you keep that as a central focus of your competition, good things will happen. These athletes are trained. They're ready. Uh, they're confident. You're gonna, you can see the composure that they have at these big meets that comes with experience. They've had a ton of experience now, especially after the year we've had this year, pretty confident in, in their capabilities. But now we just focus on having fun. And I think if we do that, you'll see a good result. 
Hey, in the spirit of having fun, we're about to do that as we enjoy these acai bowls. So thank you for delivering some fun in a bowl to us. Uh, we, in all seriousness, we're stoked about the Girl Dad Camp and that whole movement. And we can't wait to watch you and the athletes compete at historic Hayward Field in that new beautiful venue. Thanks for the time, Coach. Thanks so much, you guys. Diljeet Taylor on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Listen, I've done a couple years with Mark Pope and Kalani Sitake. They aren't giving me food. Yeah, have they ever you delivered you an acai so, bowl? Every Tuesday night? No, no acai bowl. All of that fresh, delicious fruit, granola. Just, listen, they give me a very rich personality and engaging conversation. <laughs> but this tastes pretty good, too. Uh, coming up, who gets today's elite voice of the day? Plus, a rise and shout out to a great American hobby and pastime that is finally returning. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio app. Staley down the sideline. Oh, a little one video. Okay, so the editors think it's uh, 2001. Download the pod, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, review it, and rate it. What's the best BYU football team since 1984 and why? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Warren Parker says, the best BYU football team since 1984 is yet to come. Okay. Uh, Today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. Rise and Shoutouts to full movie theater. Yes. Went to one last night. That was cool. No mass full movie theater. It was great. I'm so happy that things are, are normalizing. Yeah. Vaccinations. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it Which is, is a precursor to sporting events together. Yes. In Full the, it's capacity gonna be, it's gonna stadiums at BYU. Marriott Center, Lavelle Stadium is going to be epic. Ah, I can't wait. I just got really excited. Thank you for bringing that up. Our thanks to today's guests, Hans Olsen and Dil G. Taylor. Started Dennis Pitta. Ran out of time. Conversation continued 24-7 on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook, use the hashtag BYU. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Eric Bateman. Nice. Remember him? We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs. It's the 96 team, right? Best since 84? So, yeah. Come on.